I've been called a loose cannon, but never a loose wire, so there you go. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. You know, we were saying to Pastor Tark when we were were at some of the meetings in December, uh, the last time we ministered was October, and I just said, wow, in December, this place is at a different level. Uh, Something has happened, and you can again sense it this morning. God is at work, and uh, 2016, I think, is going to be a difficult year for uh, for the world, but a great year for the kingdom of God. And, you know, uh, the Bible Bible just says that... uh, Everything's going to be shaken in the last days, but we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so our, our roots are in Jesus. And, uh, you know, if you've, if you've got a developing relationship with the Lord Jesus, you're just not going to be shaken. So be encouraged. Whatever comes to you this year, uh, you know, be, be encouraged. Be strong in the Lord, and uh, he'll see you through. Um, you know, tonight, Brett and I want to minister. It's a healing and breakthrough night. Uh, we've been praying that God will miraculously heal people. We've been asking that he'll send angels of breakthrough into our midst tonight. So really come expectant to encounter God if you have a need and you know others, then please do come. In the second service this morning, because this time is a little shorter, Greta will be sharing for a few minutes about some things she's feeling prophetically for 2016. So we'll make sure that goes on the website. So if you, you know, obviously can't hear it now, you can access that on the website. Um, uh, you know, I guess this week, Sam, would it go on? Yep. Okay. So you can do that. I want to talk to you this morning about um, a time for breakthrough. And uh, I know, I think Pastor Tark's touched on this, and uh, we've got some resources out um, in the foyer at the information desk, and uh, we actually have a series called Faith That Overcomes, and one of the messages is Faith for Breakthroughs, and I haven't got time to preach that message this morning, but that's a great inspiration. And also, we've got a new series out, it's uh, Times and Seasons, if you want to know prophetically what's happening in the earth from the kingdom of God point of view, then uh, that'll really inspire you. So they are there. Um, Sam, would you like to give those away to somebody? If you just want those, just raise your hand, shout, scream, um, you know, do whatever you want to do. Oh, oh, disappointment, disappointment. Oh, that wasn't, uh, you didn't go far, far enough. You didn't go far enough, Sam. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, there's the blessings of sitting in the front row. There you go. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word breakthrough. And it's almost been overused in Christian circles. I mean, I've been around for decades and 40 years walking with the Lord. And, uh, and I've heard this word breakthrough mentioned often. And it almost gets to a point where you, you get desensitized. And yet, the Bible is very clear. God is the God of breakthrough. Yeah. He is the Lord of breakthrough. And I don't know what you think about when you think of breakthrough, but uh, I was doing a bit of research in the week, and I remember as a little kid, five or six, uh, lining up in my primary school to get this pink drink that I had to swallow. Anyone remember that? The pink drink. I think it was the polio vaccine. And it was a new thing. Like it was, it was new, and we were taking this, and we were told it would immunize us against polio. And polio today is virtually an unknown disease. It may affect a few hundred around the world, but back in the 1950s, it was a feared disease. For for example, in America in 1952, they had an epidemic that infected 48,000 people, mainly children. And uh, hundreds died, but thousands were left crippled. 
And so it was a feared disease, and we had epidemics here in New Zealand that said in America that apart from the atomic bomb, the United States people's greatest fear, apart from the atomic bomb, was polio. And then a man called Jonas Salk, he did research over seven years, and he got a breakthrough, and he developed the polio vaccine. And... Uh, And from that point on, in the late 50s, as the vaccine began to be given, the disease began to decline. That's what you call a breakthrough. See, breakthroughs change everything. Just breakthroughs shatter the status quo. Breakthroughs break chains of bondage. Breakthroughs open doors of opportunity. Breakthroughs open heaven over situations. Breakthroughs see see loved ones saved that have been holding out uh, on God for years and years. Breakthroughs can open up your, your future to you like nothing else. When you get a breakthrough, everything changes. Everything changes. And Greta and I sense that this is a time in God, in history, where he's wanting to give breakthroughs globally, breakthroughs to the church, breakthroughs to his children. But you see, you've got to position yourself for them. Again, you know, I, I love the prophetic, but I've learned that, you know, it sounds exciting when prophetic words come, but that is no guarantee they'll be fulfilled. Every prophetic word is an invitation to intercession. Every prophetic word is an invitation for you and I to mix it with faith and position ourselves so that God is able to fulfill His word in our lives. Because it's cooperation between us and Him that allows that thing to be fulfilled. So I just want to share a few keys today that will help you position your life for breakthrough this year. And tonight we will be praying for breakthrough. God's been giving us some words of knowledge already, and I think more will come this evening concerning that. One of the key things that we've got to do in terms of uh, seeing God break through in our lives is knock again or keep knocking. Jesus was teaching the disciples about prayer in Luke 11, and in verses 5 through 8, we read this. He tells them a story. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And Jesus is telling this story to illustrate what praying to the Father is like. And he's basically saying, you, if you're a believer in Christ, are a child of God, you have the privilege to go before God's throne and ask for things in the name of Jesus. And that is your position. But Jesus is saying, sometimes position is not enough. You've got to be audacious. You've got to be shameless in your asking, you've got to be persistent in your asking, not to twist God's arm, but to show Him you really mean business in wanting to see that breakthrough, because I'm convinced a lot of breakthroughs don't come because we're half-hearted and we give up. Jonah Salk, seven years, seven years to get the breakthrough. How many other stories could we talk about in medicine and in science and in commerce and in other areas and in sports and and other things that would say people persevered for a breakthrough? 
And this guy turns up at midnight. That's shameless, don't you reckon? You go to your, imagine going to your neighbor tonight at midnight. Excuse me, I need a loaf of bread. They say, get away, go to sleep. This is not time to be asking for bread. And this guy comes and, and he just, you know, he's told go away, but he's not put off and he just keeps knocking. And finally, the friend inside is thinking like, this man is going to shame me. He's going to wake the entire neighborhood. My reputation's going to be, they're going to come to me in the morning. Why didn't you give that guy bread? He woke us all up. What's the matter with you? He's, going to, he's starting to feel, man, I am going to be shamed if I don't silence this guy. I am going to get up and give him the bread. And that's why Jesus said it wasn't because of friendship, but it was because of the man's shameless persistence that he got the bread. I've discovered something about the Lord. When you remind him of his reputation, he really takes note. When you remind him and say, Father, your reputation is at stake. You know, Greta and I run schools of the supernatural, and, and, and we teach on healing, and, and we always want to, before we turn people loose to pray, we always get someone up to demonstrate on them. And so there's the three of us standing up the front. There's a crowd out there. And here's this person come for healing. A, we don't want to see them embarrassed by nothing happening. And B, we don't want to see us embarrassed by nothing happening. And, but the big C is, I say, Lord, this is not about us or about them. This is about you. Your reputation is on line here. If you don't heal them, then this whole thing of healing is going to look really bad. So Jesus, come. And every time he comes and heals someone, and sometimes you pray and nothing happens, I just say, I quietly say, Lord, not our reputation here. It's your reputation. And then healing starts coming. You, you know, God doesn't need a reminder of his reputation. We kind of need to remind ourselves that he is the God of glory. He's the God of honor. But when you remind him, Lord, we're concerned for your reputation. It just kind of gets... To his heart. Knock and keep knocking is the message Jesus was saying here in order to get a breakthrough. I wonder how long since you have knocked on heaven's door boldly asking for breakthrough. Or have you learned to live without breakthrough as so many do? Have you learned to dumb down your life and your expectations so that no longer are you straining for breakthrough because it's just a little bit too hard and you're happy to live in the zone of comfort and live with a level of mediocrity and a level of we're just putting up with stuff when God wants to give you breakthroughs. <clears throat> I think that too many Christians are unwilling to knock again because in the past you knocked and the door was not opened. And there's some people sitting in the room that that's exactly what you're thinking right now. Man, if I knock again, I'm going to get my hopes up. And the last time I knocked and kept knocking, nothing opened. And so I'm just, I'm just playing it safe right now. Well, I believe this is a time to, you've got to take risk and you've got to dare to hope and believe again for God to come. You know, breakthroughs don't only mean answers to problems. They mean doors of opportunity that, that will open. I, I began to knock on 
heaven's door for the United Kingdom and Europe back in the 1980s. God just burdened Europe, put it on my heart, and began to pray, and you know, certainly pray for lots of other nations in the earth as well. But at that time, God burdened me for the UK and for Europe, and I began to knock on heaven's door. God, move in those nations. Let a revival come to Great Britain. And I felt France and Germany, key nations. Let a revival come to France and Germany. All of Europe, pour out your spirit. Began to pray over the years, over the decades, from time to time, just knocking and just knocking. And then in 2009, God opened the door for Greater and Me to go to the UK, begin to minister. Just started small in small churches, a small number of churches, began to see a few things happen. And, uh, and over, uh, over up till last year now, we've ministered in 76 churches in the United Kingdom. We've seen over 500 people make commitments to Christ uh, over that time. And you know what? Over 400 of them have been in the last three years. And you know why? Because that's about when we linked with Church Unlimited. There's an anointing on this house for the salvation of souls. There's an anointing on this house for harvest. I've always been passionate about seeing people come to Christ. But when you align that passion with an anointing in the house, it goes to another level. And, when, and God's been challenging Greta and me to believe for many many, many more souls to be saved this coming year because that's what it's all about. So you've got to knock again. You've got to keep knocking if you want to break through, not out of frenzy, but out of a confidence. God is a good God, and He wants to give you what He says is yours. The second thing we should do in order to position ourselves for breakthrough is prophesy again. So not only knock again in 2016, but prophesy again. And I won't read the Scriptures, but you know the story, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 11, the valley of dead, dry bones. And Ezekiel's having this vision of a mighty army. Some armies have fought a huge battle. Many thousands have been killed and the bodies have decayed and the bones and the skeletons are just left lying on this valley floor. And God says, can these bones live, Ezekiel? And he says, he's a smart man. He says, you know, Lord, you know. And and God says, prophesy to the bones. And you know the story. As he does, the bones start rattling and they begin flying together. And tendons come and ligaments come and muscle and tissue forms and skin forms. And they're standing there, an upright army. And then he's told to prophesy again. And the breath of God comes into that army. And there they are. I couldn't find a big crowd shot. That's the Chinese army. So God bless the Chinese army. They, they gave me a good vision. <laughs> It'll sort itself out. And they stand upright, this exceeding great army, and then God explains what this vision is about. He says, my people are saying there's no hope, Ezekiel. They're saying their hopes are dead. Their dreams are over. They're in exile. They're saying they're never going to get back to the land of promise again. That they have no hope, no dreams. They've got nothing but disappointment, despair, failure. They're living in the reverse of what the prophecies say. They're saying there's no hope. And Ezekiel, I'm giving you this vision to tell my people there is hope. Even when it looks dead, there's hope. 
Even when someone looks far away from God, there's hope. Even when you're staring at a medical diagnosis that has no treatment, there is hope. Even when you're looking at a financial situation that looks awful, there is no hope. Even when you're staring at a door that seems locked in your face and it won't open, there is hope. That's what that scripture says. To prophesy means to say the same thing as God is saying. That's what it means. You hear what he's saying and you say it. You just echo what he's saying. That's what the prophetic is. And sometimes hyperfaith is an extreme that says positive things in the hope that God will do them. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because if he's not saying it, it won't happen. But when you start to hear what he's saying and you begin to say the same thing as he is saying, then it will begin to happen. Jeremiah 1.9 says, I watch over my word to perform it. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. You've got to figure out what God wants. And you begin to say the same thing. For example, Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word confess in Greek is homologio. And it means to say the same thing as God is saying. It means uh, homo means the same, logio is words. You're saying the same word. Confession means to say the same word. And when a person confesses that Jesus Christ is their Lord and, he, and, and confesses that he's Savior and uh, that he's the one that can forgive them from their sin, then God will speak over that person's life who are dead in their sins. He will say, live. And like that dead army, a lost soul who is dead in spirit, dead in soul, dead in life, will come and stand upright and begin to live. And such were some of you, because the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Hallelujah. God is making a new creation out of you. It's a lifelong process. You didn't come to Christianity because it was a good idea. Idea. You didn't come because it's great to be part of a Christian community. You came because there's a hell to be avoided and a heaven to be gained. You came because God wanted to set you free from the empty way of life that you were living and the dumb stuff that you and I were doing that was sending us to destruction, sending us to hell. God wanted you to live, not be a dead bone. And in Jesus Christ, there's life. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you haven't yet given your life to Jesus or you've walked right away from him, you need to come back. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to say the same thing about Jesus as God the Father is saying about him. He's the Savior of the world. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which you can be saved. There is a heaven. There is a hell. It is appointed for men and women to die once and after that comes judgment. Everybody's going to face that one day. People are trying to outrun death, outrun God. Death's going to catch you. Death's going to overtake you. And when it does, you'll stand before a holy God. He's just going to ask you one question. Have you paid for your sin? And you can't pay the price. And you're only going to be able to say, no, I haven't paid, but Jesus has paid for me because I've believed in him. That's, that's called salvation. That's called saying the same thing. When you say the same thing about Jesus that the Father says, this is my son, the Savior of the world. Not he's a good man. Not he's a religious leader. Not he's a prophet. He's the son of the living God, the Messiah sent to rescue us. Then you shall be saved. 
See, if God says there's hope, that something that looks dead can live, then it can live. And when you begin to prophesy in prayer, prophesy in confession, prophesy in declaration that something that looks really dead can live, that's when breakthroughs start to happen. That's when heaven starts to open and breakthroughs start to come. And finally, we need to strike again. Strike again. 2 Kings 13, verses 15 to 19. The king of Israel has come to see Elisha, who is uh, terminally ill. He's not got long to live. And Elisha says to the king, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and, and, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. And then Elisha declared, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Aramaeans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And of course, this picture of striking the arrow, the arrow was obviously a weapon. It speaks to us of prayer and spiritual warfare. And uh, I just so, Greta and I so love being part of a praying church. It, it is an amazing thing what God is doing here. It makes such a difference. Breakthroughs require a fighting spirit. You don't get them unless you got some fight. That's why Paul said, I've fought a good fight. He's a man that had breakthroughs. I've run a good race. Uh, you know, wage an effective warfare, Timothy, by the prophecies spoken over you uh, when the elders laid their hands on you. That's what Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.18, wage an effective warfare. See, you've got to have a fighting spirit, not a frenzied spirit, but a fighting spirit. And what happens is the devil ends up pushing people around and you get into a zone of fear. I'm not going to try that again because the last time I tried to do a bit of fighting, I got smacked down and boy, did the enemy come at me. And you just kind of not allow the enemy to engender fear in you. You've got to have more confidence in God's ability to protect you than in the devil's ability to harm you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Psalm 60 verse 12, with God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our enemies. Resist, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. And so we've got to have this fight. And so when you take the arrow of prayer and of spiritual warfare and of praise, and you say you're praying for the salvation of a, a loved one, you're praying for a financial breakthrough, you're praying for some kind of miracle, you're praying for the nations out there that a harvest will come to the nations of the earth, you're praying for the Muslim world that, that a revelation of Jesus will come to them, you're praying for the Western world that... God will break through secular humanism that is blinding millions and millions of Westerners. And you've got to take that arrow of prayer and you just got to keep striking it. It is the arrow of victory. That's what Elisha declared. Prayer is an arrow of victory. Spiritual warfare and praise, that is an arrow of victory. And it's not just a matter of shooting. You've got to keep striking and striking and striking. It's similar to knock and knock and knock. Prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. Strike, strike, strike. 
like. Not people, but devils. Not people, but the heavenly realm. Our warfare is not against people. It is against principalities and powers. Our warfare, we strike those things with the Word of God. We begin to declare. We keep interceding. We're not content that a loved one is going to end up in hell. We're going to give our lives in prayer to see them come into the kingdom. Even if it takes a lifetime, we will not yield and not give up and not let the devil have them in the lake of fire. Often we settle for partial breakthroughs or we give up too soon. But there can be more. I believe the key is persistence. And even when it feels strange or our logic fights us, we need to keep on striking and striking. I've told this story before, but I think it illustrates the point. My first wife, Jane, uh, when we got married, she, I discovered she suffered from these migraine attacks that would come about every six weeks, put her in bed for two or three days. She'd be nauseous, vomiting, uh, pain, unmanageable, couldn't stand light, just darkened room, out, knocked out for two, three days, couldn't eat, uh, head dizzy. I, I could never, I've never seen anything like it. I thought to myself, and I said, how long have you had this for? She said, she said it came on me when I was age three, and, and we, when we were married, she was about 24, so 21 years she'd put up with us. And something, you know, at that time, there was teaching going through the nation on spiritual warfare that was coming out of church on the way in America. Pastor Jack Hayford, some of you want a great teaching on spiritual warfare. So man, I was keyed up. I was, I've been hearing all this spiritual warfare stuff. So something got provoked in me. I, I just got a fighting spirit in me. And she was in the bedroom. I went into the lounge of our little two-bedroom flat and I began to pray. And I took hold of an arrow and I said, Lord, you said that in your word, if we called on your name, you would deliver us. As many that call on the name of the Lord, they will be delivered. They will be set free. Lord, I'm calling on you to deliver my wife. Devil, in the name of Jesus, I resist your work. And I sense this thing was demonic. Not all migraines are demonic, not all sicknesses, but some is. I sensed it was demonic. And I'd pray, and then I'd go back into the bedroom. How are you doing? No change. I'd go into the lounge again. I'd get the arrow again. I'd strike the ground with it in. Lord, you said in your word, you're the healer. Heal my wife. Devil, take your hands off her. Go into the bedroom again. How are you doing? No change. Went back into the room. I did that four or five times. Fifth time, I go into the room. How are you doing? No change. Go back the sixth time. Lord, you said in your word, I'm asking you as your son, heal my wife and raise her up. And devil, take your hands off her. Go into the room. I said, how are you doing? She said, it's gone. It's gone. She got up out of bed, healed, and she never had another one to the day of her death. She never had another one. She lived another 32 years. She never had another migraine. God set her free. I often wonder what would have happened had I given up on the third, fourth, or even the fifth time. You just got to take hold of the arrow and keep striking, keep striking. So if you want to see breakthroughs, 2016 and beyond. You know, we hear the prophetic words. I know Pastor Tark's been sharing about breakthrough and others, and, and we feel, Greta and I feel this is a, is a word uh, for this year. Uh, if you want to see them, and I'm not guaranteeing they're going to come even 
in this year, but I'm, I'm saying that if you and I will position ourselves this year for them, then I think many breakthroughs will come. But, you know, we're going to set ourselves up for a harvest in the coming years. It's what Pastor Sam said. If you sow nothing, you'll get nothing. If you sow in prayer, if you sow in prophecy, if you sow by knocking again, then you'll get a harvest. And I trust many, much of it will come this year, but if it doesn't, I believe in the years to come, breakthroughs will come in your life, in this church, in the nation, in the nations of the earth. Why? Because this, this stuff works. Jesus said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Amen. So why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? If you haven't already, you, you, might, uh, you know, some of you sitting here, as I've been talking, like there's a fire burning in you. Oh God, I know the breakthrough I need. I know the breakthroughs I want to see happen. And some of you are burning with that sense. God, I know what I want to see. Others of you may not know. Well, my life's okay at the moment. I'm not sure I need a breakthrough. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Someone else in your life needs a breakthrough. And you may be the key to bring it. Or you just may be, no, I, I need a breakthrough, but I'm not fully aware of what it is. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Get Him to show you. You know, one of the greatest breakthroughs that you and I can never go after is the salvation of other people. Greta and I have just put the finishing touches to a new book called Afterlife. It's going to the publishers this week. Uh, it'll be released in the UK in April and back here in July. I tell you what, when I, I've been writing on this stuff on life beyond death, whoa, I have been gripped, utterly gripped, with the awe and wonder of what Jesus did on the cross to rescue us from the terrors of the coming judgment. And I've been gripped afresh with a fresh passion to see lost people come to Christ. And the people in my life, my loved ones, my friends, my relatives, greatest relatives, to see them come to Christ. And we've committed ourselves to pray for them till the day we die, believing God that they will come into the kingdom and that none shall be lost. That's our bold prayer. None shall be lost. In all of our family, Lord, none, not one, shall be lost. You have not because you ask not, so you might as well ask big. Amen. 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 Come on, let's pray. Let's talk to God this morning. Father, we just thank you that you're the Lord of breakthrough. You're the God of breakthrough. That's what King David called you, the Lord of breakthrough. And Lord, you broke through for him. And Jesus, you broke through death and sin for us on the cross and at your resurrection. And we're so grateful, Lord. And Father, today I pray that in this room that your Holy Spirit will begin to speak to every heart and every soul concerning the breakthroughs they need. And Lord, many of us sitting here know the breakthroughs we need, but Lord, I pray a fresh impartation of faith a fresh impartation of faith for breakthroughs. Lord, would you sweep away the disappointment of knocking in the past and not seeing the door opened, prophesying in the past and not seeing the bones come to life, firing the arrow but not hitting the target. Lord, would you overcome the disappointment? You know, disappointment, friends, is not terminal. It's temporary. We've got to get up from it, believe God again and hope again. 
So, Father, I pray a fresh impartation of hope and faith into every life in this room for breakthroughs in this year of 2016 and beyond. Help us, Jesus. Help this church to know phenomenal breakthroughs this year in this nation and in the nations beyond, I pray. We give you praise, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. Sure. Okay. Cool. I've got a little bit of time. I would love to pray for those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus or you have walked right away from God and you know it. I'm not talking to you if you've done something dumb over the holidays as a Christian that you shouldn't have. And a lot of people let their devotional uh, devotions uh, go a bit limp over Christmas and New Year. And, and you know the Bible says stay alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overtake you. And there's a bunch of you sitting in the room and you've done some silly sinning over the Christmas New Year period because you let your prayer life and you let your life in the Word, you let it go a bit limp and, the, and therefore sin crept up on you. Now I'm not, I don't want you to pray the sinner's prayer. You can go, God is not wiped you out of his book. Uh, He just wants to know that you're still his son and daughter and you can go and ask the Lord to forgive you. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, he is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? So you can just ask the Lord to forgive you and he surely will. He's gracious. You know, his blood covers that sin. 